Hey everyone, Jordan here with the Dossier Podcast, which is exclusively on call-in. Uh, you can find my written work at dossier.substack.com. So glad to be here today. And um, if you've been following my publication on Substack, one of the common themes that I've been discussing for this week especially has been the craziness that's going on with the characters at the World Economic Forum. Um, and we that conference started Sunday, and I think it's going till Wednesday evening. And if you're not aware of what the World Economic Forum is or what the annual Davos convention slash meeting is, um, I have a ton of information on it over at my Substack, but essentially the World Economic Forum's annual meeting is a gathering of the global ruling class. This would be heads of state from, um, from all first world nations, lots of influential, powerful politicians, people involved in the you know WHO, World Bank, IMF space, a lot of these like quasi-governmental institutions, they're all in Davos. Anyone who is connected to the ruling elite is in Davos this week or has some kind of institutional presence in Davos. And in addition to the governmental leaders, there is the corporate side of Davos, which you know you have your your Black Rocks, you have all of these um, giant um, firms, these asset managers with trillions of dollars of capital that they can um, deploy at will. And they use this Davos meeting to hobnob and kind of plan what they're going to do to continue to hoover up power and make life miserable for the rest of us, at least from my perspective. Um, so I wanted to kind of talk about what I've been writing about the past couple of days over at dossier.substack.com. And um, let's start with yesterday. So the past three days, I've been writing about the roster of Davos attendees, what they're, you know, who's attending, what's going on, the media partners at Davos, and how to actually get into Davos. Um, so let's start with the media coverage of what's going on in Switzerland at this meeting. And many are, I'd say the vast majority of the people who even follow this space are completely unaware of the connection between um, the, the media people the, the corporate press that's actually allowed inside to cover it and the World Economic Forum itself. And I, I think it is deliberate that they have this kind of secretive clandestine partnership that um, the media, by the way, is not at all transparent about it. Um, so this year, if you look at the World Economic Forum's agenda, they have all of these... Um, all of these media outfits and talking about a variety of ridiculous topics, um, investment in China, uh, global food crisis, climate action, just reading through some of these um, responses to ending the pandemic, 
So it's all just like this very bland um, stuff that's just not um, really like if you're an average American citizen, it's not so much something that's going to affect your life, but it will be used by the people who are in power to make things miserable for you. Um, so the corporate press and their government sponsors don't want you to know what is happening in Davos this year as the global ruling class meets behind heavily secured and invite only doors this week for the world economic forums annual meeting in Switzerland. And remember our news media is supposed to exist in part to hold powerful people and organizations accountable for their actions. But instead they've become an instrument for the powerful, these media actors and these, these partnerships that I discussed um, is the perfect example of that. So who exactly is partnering with the World Economic Forum? Um, and by the way, before we get to who's partnering with them, you have to realize that th this relationship between the media and this group is, is an unsavory relationship because the World Economic Forum is a hyper-political, even fanatically political organization um, if you think you're a political person, check out what's going on at the World Economic Forum. I mean, they have tons of extremist positions, tons of global policy goals, you know, related to this climate agenda. So I think it should be highly unethical for journalistic outfits to partner with this organization on events. They don't care. You know, they all agree. They pretend it's not political. Like, you know, the famous words of these, um, uh, you know, the, the climate activists is that climate change is not political, even though it is. So <laughs> for them, no, nothing that they do is political. It's just truthful and honorable and humanitarian and everything that their opposition does is political. Um, so here's some of the sponsors at the World Economic Forum, the media partners, the partners, by the way, who have to pay the World Economic Forum to be a part of this. Um, so Monday, a Chinese state-affiliated Kaizen Media Group held a panel in partnership with the World Economic Forum on investing in China. Um, you, Because this is state media, the panel included, of course, the moderator from this media group, which all outlets in China have, um, they're not allowed to publish unless the Communist Party approves. So when you're inviting a state-affiliated media organization, you are basically enforcing this totalitarian Communist Party rule over China, which is very unfortunate. I don't think the World Economic Forum even claims to stand for freedom <laughs> anymore, so I guess it's not hypocritical, but it's quite ridiculous. Um, so you had these uh, two, and just to show you know the collaboration between the Chinese um, ruling class and the American ruling class, this panel was populated by all these business executives, the, uh, you know, the chief commercial officer of the New York Stock Exchange. And this is a Chinese state-run media organization. These people have no shame. <laughs> Later Monday afternoon, the World Economic Forum partnered with CNN on a panel on a global food crisis involving climate change. Um, and then... CNN also sponsored another panel with, um, so one of the anchors was Julia Chatterley and another was Richard Quest. 
And again, these people are paying the World Economic Forum to partner with them to access the, all of these people. And they have to be screened ideologically. You know, they pass the screening um, with flying colors. So another panel, another U.S. organization called Equitable Responses to Ending the Pandemic. This is a panel held in partnership with Politico. Um, Politico, unsurprisingly, is at the World Economic Forum. I mean, Politico and Axios, I think, in D.C. are like the two most um, corporatist shilling outfits we have, not just in D.C., maybe in in the U.S. as a whole. So the editor-in-chief of Politico's Europe division is at the World Economic Forum partnering with Davos. And it th- this was an interesting um, ending the pandemic panel because it featured the CEO of Moderna. <laughs> so, you know, there's clearly no bias there that could be possible with the CEO of Moderna talking about ending the pandemic. I didn't watch the panel, but my guess is that they talked a lot about their miracle vaccines, considering that the CEO of Gavi, the vaccine alliance funded by Bill Gates, was also on the panel. So I'm sure they told everyone to get uh, quadruple, quintuple vaccinated. And for those who are wondering, yes, the CEO of Pfizer is also at in Davos this week. He had an exclusive sit down with the infamous Klaus Schwab of the World Economic Forum. And I'm sure they discussed um, some fascinating things that would probably bore most of us to deaths, but to the Vax fanatics, I'm sure they were highly entertained by the craziness. Um, And then, of course, the New York Times, the paper of record, um, they hosted a um, Monday, they're hosting Monday and Tuesday panel discussions that they're paying the World Economic Forum to host. And it's a bipartisan panel because the first panel involves the U.S. economic outlook it's very important for the for the WEF to appear bipartisan because they receive taxpayer funding, and it you know that if they're only inviting Democrats, that'll look really bad. So they invite Republicans. Republicans are happy to go. Pat Toomey was on the New York Times's panel, talking about like a ruling class collaboration, and this panel was on the U.S. economic outlook, featuring a professor from Harvard, some the CEO of PayPal. And the CEO of NASDAQ, so you know, very much um, the uh, you know working class panel right there. And then uh, the uh, CNBC has a partnership with the World Economic Forum. Reuters partnering with the World Economic Forum. And um, the so-called, I wouldn't call this right wing, but uh, the, the Wall Street Journal was the one I guess you could, it was deemed center-right outlet that's, that's partnered with the World Economic Forum. They're not really center-right. I mean, the Wall Street Journal is definitely a corporatist uh, shilling organization. The, they, if you recall, they, the, the Wall Street Journal for the last two years has been giving um, handing over its op-ed section to the COVID fanatics um, on all over the place and Pfizer, Moderna, um, they seem to, you know, there seems to be some, I don't want to make any allegations, but there seemed to be a highly corrupt organization, the Wall Street Journal. And it seems that people who want, who have regular op-ed space have some kind of undisclosed relationship there. 
Um, why is Scott Gottlieb on the board of Pfizer writing a weekly op-ed for the Wall Street Journal? It's not because he has something interesting to say. It's because he's selling his garbage. Um, so interestingly, you know, this so-called center-right Wall Street Journal, featuring the editor-in-chief of the Wall Street Journal, um, this panel was on The Changing World, and it featured the chairman of BlackRock, who, uh, BlackRock Investment Institute, not BlackRock entirely, but Thomas Donnellan, and if that name sounds familiar, he was one of Obama's top national security officials, and he has made the seamless transition to BlackRock. This panel also included Anne-Marie Slaughter, the CEO of New America. She is uh, one of Hillary Clinton's buddies. And what's interesting is that, like, so the independent media that has tried to cover the World Economic Forum has had a difficult job doing so. My buddy uh, Jack Posobiec was detained at Davos for reasons that still remain unknown. He was... um, He's affiliated with Turning Point USA. They were covering the event on the outskirts of Davos because there was no way they were getting an invite. And we'll discuss that in a second, how to get invited to the World Economic Forum. Um, He was detained. And there's some interesting clips on Twitter. Uh, His whole crew was detained. And in course, Switzerland, there's no First Amendment. And you can basically be detained without due process. So we don't really know what exactly happened there. But another journalist covering the event was also detained, also independent media. Um, And the compliant media is already inside the conference, moderating the panels, paying the World Economic Forum to do so. Um, So they're not going to ask any serious questions. And um, the next thing I wanted to move to, which I just published this morning, like half an hour ago at the dossier on Substack, was a lot of people were wondering, like, how do you get into this retreat every year? Can you just buy a ticket? Can you just fly to Switzerland and then take a car to Davos and, you know, get a hotel here and just pay at the door to attend the conference? And you wouldn't, you shouldn't be surprised to hear that that's not at all how it works. Um So if you're a private citizen or investigative journalist and you wanted to attend this this annual meeting of the elites, you want to network with some people in Davos, um, you can't. (laughs) The idea that this is like an open conference is fiction, unfortunately. And it's sad because they maintain this nonprofit status and there also are U.S. grants taxpayer grants, which go out to the World Economic Forum. And you can't attend this conference unless you're part of the club. Um, So there's kind of two ways to get a ticket to the annual meeting. The first is you need to be a, a very powerful government official. If you're not an official of a superpower country or a very wealthy country, you have to be the head of state. So if you live in... Um, and if and if you live in a developing country, you might even if you're the pre, if you were just elected president, you and there's not enough GDP in your country, um, not a high enough GDP, you probably won't get to hang out with Klaus Schwab, regrettably, right? So um, you have to be a government official uh, in the U.S. 
top cabinet official will get invited, senators, governors. If you're a congressman on an important committee, that's one way to get in. And that's the only way to get in without the financial duties. Um, and there's other, there's other ways, of course, that public officials will pay their debts to the World Economic Forum. If you're on the private side of things, uh, you're not getting into Davos without paying up. And the paying up part is only once you're approved. So to be eligible to receive your prize invitation to this meeting, um, you have to first purchase an organizational membership package to the World Economic Forum. It's a little confusing if you go on their website because you can also buy an individual membership, but that's basically like one of those like nonprofits where you just set, send them a check or give a donation and then they'll send you like a postcard in the mail that's from Davos that says, oh, thank you, you know, you can uh, watch the live stream on YouTube and blah, blah, blah. The individual donation does not cut it. To be eligible to receive a ticket to the World Economic Forum's Davos Conference, you need to buy the organizational membership package. Um, so if you're coming, and it doesn't matter if you're, if you're going as an individual, you, know, you have some kind of startup and you want to hang out with these global elites, you still need to buy the organizational membership package. And so I looked up some of the numbers, and these numbers are as recent as 2020, because shockingly, the World Economic Forum did not uh, get back to me on my inquiry on the 2022 costs. But 2020, 2022, we have a, we have a good ballpark number of what exactly is going on. Um, well, first off, when you apply to be an organizational member, because it's an application, you can't just go on your, their website and pay the fee. You got to contact them. They got to engage you in conversation a little bit. And the, they will screen you out for rogue opinions. The most important opinion, if you're in the World Economic Forum and you want to get a membership, is you cannot be a, a so-called science denier. You need to accept the climate host hoax um, with every, every fiber of your being. You need to be a climate hoaxer to your core. It needs to be a very important issue to you because... As Klaus Schwab, the, the president of the World Economic Forum, as he writes extensively in his really boring, ridiculous, um, maniacal books, uh, that the climate hoax is everything to these people, and there is no room for even debating this issue. So there's no chance you're getting into the door at Davos if you don't accept the climate narrative. So... If you are ideological screened and you're ideologically compliant, then you are you have access to pay these exorbitant fees. <laughs> and these fees, this individual, the, the corporate membership, which you need to buy to get a ticket to Davos as a private citizen, it starts at sixty-two thousand um, dollars. But the sixty-two thousand dollars is like the baseline minimum. And these organizational memberships go as high as well over $600,000. So if you're paying the $62,000 minimum membership, you might get an invite to Davos, but you're sitting in the back and you're not going to any of the events. From what I've read, most of these organizations are paying easily half a, 
like the New York Times, I, I bet you the New York Times paid half a million dollars at least, plus the ticket costs um, to get into Davos. So this is the thing is that, remember, the World Economic Forum claims to be these champions for democracy, equality, um, you know, the, the, the every man. And it is literally, it is so expensive to go to Davos that you need to be presently, um, if you have a business, you, 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 you need to have an enormously solid margins to even be able to afford to buy a ticket to spend four days there. Um, so you're talking right off the bat, the membership, 62000 to 620000 And according to the World Economic Forum, they, this, this participation, if you want to participate in Davos, there's an additional fee and partnership fees um, that they kind of bake in. And by the way, Switzerland has a VAT tax and all these other taxes as this kind of like quasi socialist uh, system where they just hammer you with taxes. Um, so that's not even included. And those who are sufficiently privileged enough to receive this golden ticket, once you've paid this membership, your, your costs will continue to pile up. So the individual ticketing for Davos starts at $28,000. But from what I read, the vast majority of people who attend pay for the all-access pass, which costs 50000 plus the VAT tax for the four-day event. So your organization's pay, probably paying half a million dollars and $50,000 per person to get in the door. And of course, when you're flying into Switzerland to go to Davos, the flight is not direct to Switzerland. Um, I think it's to Zurich. So this is, you, you will have to, most attendees from what I've seen, take either a helicopter or a private jet into Davos. If you want to take a car, that's going to cost you thousands of dollars round trip. Um, overnight accommodations I looked up are like, if you want a, a shared room, you're, you're going to pay $1,000 a person. And realistically, no one's paying for that stuff. Maybe tourists outside of Davos are paying for that stuff. But I've seen private chalets as high as $140,000 per night. And remember, like, when these CEOs are coming in, they, they're not staying all four days. They're going, like, one night, two days, flying back. You know, they, There's just enormous uh, capital costs to going to Davos in 2020, they released their financial statements on their income from the event, and the World Economic Forum brought in $45 million in revenue just from the 2020 annual event. And that's not the money that goes to the hotels or the private jets. That $45 million is just organizational co- uh, payments, partnerships, tickets, $45 million. So... They could, they have, uh, the, you have these enormous, that's nothing when you're thinking of an enormous asset manager like BlackRock or, you know, these, um, institutional organizations with trillions of dollars, they're happy to shell out the cash. But the problem is that that there, there's no, no regular man has access to this type of cash to drop, um, just to, hopefully be able to network with some of these people. But when you look at, there's all these additional costs baked in. Like you want to go to this event, 
that's $2,500. So when I, when I try to like put an average, it, it's tough to get an average number on what it costs to get to Davos, get in the door of Davos. <laughs> and uh, of course, only, to get in the building, you need to show your proof of your, your COVID shots. So that too. So you can't have any of these so-called COVID deniers, fellow COVID deniers, um, getting into Davos and, you know, shocking these like-minded people with, with new ideas. Um, so it's a very insulated event. You can't get in the door. My guess is that per person, you're probably looking at around a quarter million dollars. Um, you can't get in the door. Like if you're going the cheapest possible route, you, let's say you run your own business, you want to attend, you got, you got cleared by the World Economic Forum. You're, you're spending easily well over a hundred thousand dollars just to, just to go to Davos for, for, for a few days. Um, and I don't know why anyone would actually do this. Uh, I mean, I'm, it's so grossly unaffordable. Um, but of course, like, even if you do get in the door, like, think about the people that you're hanging out with. Like, these are, these people are the epitome of evil in the 21st century. The, this is the crowd of, um, we're going to, uh, the Pfizer CEO was saying in his um, talk with Klaus Schwab that he wants to um, have these bio tracker pills that he can, force you to take so your healthcare, your government healthcare monitors can make sure that you're taking your, your pills um, <laughs> to prevent COVID or whatever they're working on. Um, interestingly today, the Alibaba president had did a talk and he was talking about how they should his, um, his company Alibaba, which is you know, run by at least half, half run by the Chinese government, that they have an individual, quote, individual carbon footprint tracker, end quote, to monitor what you buy, what you eat, and where, how you travel. So everyone's in all of the very powerful and influential people in the world who subscribe to this narrative are in Davos this week, and they're basically trading ideas on how to surveil you and steal your rights. So the cost of Davos is one thing, but the real threat is, and, and this is why I think that it's important to shine a light on this, that it's, if you are openly antagonistic, there, there, there's no way that you're going to get in the door. Um, but we need so badly to um, get through that door to, to find out what exactly is going on there. I would like nothing more than like a Project Veritas style um, undercover journalism operation that could get into the World Economic Forum's meeting and go to some of these events and talk to some of these elites. Um, but it would be very difficult to accomplish. Like if you notice like Pasobic and, and Rebel News, while they have sent teams to go to Davos and that should certainly be commended. You know, I love the fact that they're doing that. They're, you know, interviewing people on the street, they're shaking things up. They're actually not, unfortunately they don't have access to the event. So 
you know, feel free to brainstorm ideas, send them to me, because I think that it's very important that people find a way to infiltrate these extremely globalist organizations. And so this um, rebel news journalist, Avi Yemeni, who's based out of Australia, did some great stuff on the COVID hysteria. And a couple of days ago, he he's in Davos. He's in Davos. Um, they sent him there to cover the World Economic Forum's annual meeting. And he was in Davos and he had this fascinating run-in with a New York Times deputy managing editor. Um, and she had like a total like panic attack because he dared... She was outside at a cafe with her friend. What's funny is that there's like a, her friend happened to be, uh, I think her friend was Christia Freeland, the uh, deputy to Justin Trudeau (laughs) in Canada. So it's just funny, like the kind of people that he, you, I don't think he realized that it was her, but he, he knew that, you know, this New York Times lady was there. She's deputy managing editor. She's a very influential person because in that role, you control the narrative. And he asked her, um, basically, how is she, how is the public supposed to trust the New York Times' reporting when they are an invited guest of the World Economic Forum? And interestingly, this journalist, who should have exposure to the public, she refuses to say a word. And her friend, the Canadian minister, starts telling her, oh, you know, we're out to lunch why are you harassing us? <laughs> like something, it's so ridiculous. Uh, you should definitely look at the clip. But, um, and by the way, anyone that's uh, in the chat, feel free to uh, send comments or call in. Um, I'm still, this is only my second week on this app. So hopefully I um, hit the right buttons, but <laughs> it's, um, it, it's pretty crazy what's going on there. And um, it's important to follow what, these crazy people are doing because they are shaping the narratives and political ideologies of the ruling class. Um, this like builds back better, great reset stuff. Um, the ESG movement, these are all world's economic forum favorites and they were popularized by the world's economic forum. This is a highly influential organization, and I hope that people continue to try to find clever ways to inform the public about more about what is going on within the walls of these very elite gatherings. So thanks for your time, everyone, and subscribe to the Dossier Podcast on Colin so you get a notification when I um, start the next one. Thanks, everyone.